0: This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 224, and I'm talking with Kelly Viejo. Kelly is the mother of two. She works full-time and also is the woman behind More Miles, More Fun races. Kelly started running in 2011, and just this past September ran her first 50K. She's completed 25 half marathons, 7 marathons, and that 50K. She gives back to nonprofits all around the country and world through her organization, More Miles, More Fun. Most recently, she set up a run for Australia to help with fire relief efforts over there. And last I checked, she had raised well over $25,000 for fire relief in Australia. I've been a participant in a few of Kelly's virtual races. She also does a Every Mother Counts virtual race every single year. Our friend Kristen Garzone, who has also been on this podcast, is heavily involved in that effort. You all go follow Kelly over on Instagram, more miles, more fun, and see what she's doing. She just really has a heart for giving back, and creating these virtual races was one way she could do that, and I'm really inspired by what she does because it's easy to see a problem and just think, yeah, someone's going to take care of that, or "You know, I'll donate another day, but she is giving back to so many great organizations on a regular basis and I'm just excited for her for what she's doing. Alright, before we get started talking with Kelly, I am gonna be down in Jacksonville for the Donna Marathon this coming weekend, so next weekend. We are gonna do a lunchtime meetup around twelve thirty that Saturday, February eighth, at a local restaurant. So I'm going to go ahead and post that on my Facebook group, exactly where we'll be meeting. And if you can come and if you're going to be down there and you want to meet up, let me know. So head over to Facebook and join my Facebook group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. And that's where I'll be posting where we're going to have a casual meetup down there for those of you who might want to come. Um, I'll also post it on my Instagram stories. You can find that over at Hine six two six. So I'd love to see you down there. And if you haven't registered yet, again, you can use the code Lindsay 15 to get 15% off your registration. Go to breastcancermarathon.com. Use the code Lindsay 15 Get 15% off your registration. All right, friends. Enjoy my conversation with Kelly Vigil. Today on the podcast, we have Kelly Vigil on the show. Welcome to I'll Have Another Kelly.
1: Yay, thank you.
0: I am so excited to have you on. Um, You know, I first heard of you, I believe, when I interviewed Kristen Garzone, and she was doing um, raising uh, money for Every Mother Counts through one of your virtual runs. Does that sound correct?
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Kristen, we actually met in person at a Every Mother Counts ambassador retreat that they had. Um, But, yes, we do a Mother's Day run for them, and this year will be its third year.
0: Awesome. Okay. First, let's get to know you a little bit. If anybody's not already following Kelly, make sure you go follow her, More Miles, More Fun. Um, She puts on these races that support and raise funds for nonprofits, and we're going to get into that because, um, really, that's one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to you because you've recently raised – how much money for the um, fire relief in Australia? Yes,
1: we've raised um, over twenty-seven thousand dollars now. Is that your biggest one so far? Um, we are close to the run for Texas that I did two years ago for Hurricane Harvey. That one was over fifty-five thousand. Okay, so yes. I can't remember if that was before or after. I probably knew about you
0: before I interviewed Kristen, actually. But that's when I really started following what you were doing. Because I I feel like I I followed along when you raised money for Hurricane Harvey, too. So let's learn about your life, and then we'll get into that. So tell us, you ran your first marathon, half marathon in 2011, your first marathon in 2013. So talk to us about
1: when you started um, taking up the sport. Sure. Um, so I was actually a dancer and a rower in high school and college. I rode on the crew team for my first year of college, and I was so stressed out being a rower that I actually just started running for uh, stress relief. So I, my sister had run half marathons before. She's older than me. So in 2011, I, in college, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to train and I'm going to run a half marathon. <laughs> So I ran my first half marathon in uh, Virginia Beach. It was the rock and roll race, which I still do almost every year. I love that race. And from there, I just kind of got addicted to the running community and just running in general. So I have run 25 half marathons since then. I've run seven full marathons, and I just ran my first 50K in September. Yes, I saw that. How did that go? (laughs) It was so much fun. So I was, um, I had my son a year ago in August. And so that was my one year postpartum kind of celebration. It was something that was always on my bucket list. And I am not naturally a trail runner. So running 34-ish miles, I got lost on the course. (laughs) So it was a little a little over 50 K, but, um, it was a lot of fun running on trails and the atmosphere is just so different compared to like a half marathon road race. It's so much more relaxed and, um, it was a lot of fun. Tell me about the
0: training going into the 50 K. Were you doing a lot of trail running?
1: Not really. I, um, so, Postpartum after my son was actually really rough. I had a lot of pelvic floor issues. And so getting back into running was not the easiest after having him. And so I started training in like May timeframe of last year. And it was very slow and steady. Did not do a lot of trail runs because um, to get the longer runs in, as you know, as a mom, you normally have to start early in the day. And so I would always run with um, the Moms Run This Town group near me. And so a lot of them aren't trail runners either. So I would just kind of keep with them. So we're in a, you know, a group running together. Um, I did maybe one trail run beforehand. And then after that, it was just all road. So I did a lot of, um, tripping and falling during that ultra. <laughs> do you have, um, goals to do a 50 miler? I do. That is, I, uh, that's, a huge thing on my bucket list right now. Um who knows, maybe in, in the next year or two I really want to do it.
0: <laughs> okay. I wanna read everybody this Instagram post that I that you wrote on November fourth. It says, <laughs> um, it's been over a month now since my ultra marathon and I still can't believe I actually accomplished that. Running my first Ultra, studying abroad in South Africa, bungee jumping off the highest bungee jump bridge in the world. <laughs> Becoming a mom, organizing my first race, all of these experiences I was absolutely terrified to do beforehand. All of the amazing experiences I have in my life started with being scared, terrified even. I forced myself to do most of those things because I knew that being scared meant it must be important to me because I was scared to fail. I am not one to stay within my comfort zone, but I do know that all successful people and amazing athletes had to have been scared before they did something great. It's one of the most genuine human reactions, but pushing past it is what will define your life and your best experiences. What is a goal or experience you're scared of? When you wrote that post where you're like, oh, this is a good one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I. It's so funny that just hearing that being right back, I – it's so true. Every great experience that I've had and looked back on, I was absolutely terrified to do and would have to force myself to do it. <laughs> and so I just kind of try and keep reminding myself whenever I'm scared that normally it turns out to be something good. <laughs> yeah. And you know that phrase, like there's a phrase
0: that says, do something that scares you every day. Yes. Um, there's somebody I forget what podcast they were on, but they were talking about this. They tried to do something, literally do something that scared them every day for an entire year. Um, And so some things have to be smaller than others, right? You like can't bungee jump every single day. Uh, I think it's an interesting concept though. And I think that if we're not stepping out of our comfort zone and I'm not saying every day, but at least quarterly doing something, taking on something that is a little bit intimidating, then we're probably living a pretty boring life. I know that sounds really bad and it doesn't have to be big, but it can just be even something like advanced at work that, you know, you thought, oh, I, I don't have the skills for that. I just think that if we get complacent, then life can get really boring. So I think that going back to a post like that is really helpful.
1: Yeah. And I even, um, just getting uncomfortable every now and then. I feel like people get in their comfort zone and stay there, and then you know their goals just kind of stay within that comfort zone. And me, as especially as a mom now, and just wanting to have all of these experiences within running and outside of running, I know that they're going to be uncomfortable. So I just try and embrace it. <laughs>
0: Yeah. No, it's so true. I know. Well, and it, when you're talking about racing specifically too, I think about people that say, oh, I could never, you know, BQ or I could never break four hours or, you know, whatever. And it's, it's like, I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think that you'll probably have to get really out of your comfort zone and maybe it's a possibility. Yeah. I mean, same how I feel As- about breaking three hours of the marathon. Like it doesn't feel super possible right now, but I know <laughs> it is if I get really uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So more miles, more fun. Okay. What I love about what you're doing is that there's a lot of really sad and bad and horrific things that happen every single day all around the world, and it is extremely overwhelming. And it's also extremely easy to just live your life and think that the problems are too big because they feel too big. And I love that you took your love for running and your heart for helping people to raise money, to make a big difference. So can you kind of
1: tell us how that all started? Yeah. Um, so you just put it perfectly. I, as an individual, can't rate or, you know, donate $20,000 of my own money to a charity and make a significant impact. But I think a community coming together, putting in $5, $10, which is how much my virtual races are, adds up to a lot. So um, I think just the sense of community around it has really built it up. I um, started my first virtual run for Stand Up to Cancer in 2014, and I was fresh out of college. I um, loved just working with nonprofits in general and making relationships with them. So I knew someone Um, that was a huge fundraiser for Stand Up to Cancer. And I was like, you know what? It will be fun to just put on a 5K. And I did medals and everything. I didn't even have a website yet. (laughs) It was off of my Instagram. We raised over $1,500. And I was like, you know what? I think that there's something to this because I think that people in general just want to give back. More than just pressing a donate button on a website. I feel like they like to be involved in an event or, you know, some sort of group that has the same goal. And so that's really my reason for the virtual races. And um, in 2017, we did the Run for Texas. Actually, one of my Instagram followers reached out to me because I had never done a race for something like that. And she was like, I think it would be really great if you did this. And So we put it on and we ended up having 3000 runners around the world running for those affected by Hurricane Harvey. And it was just huge. And you could just tell that people wanted something to do to help those in need.
0: From 2014 to 2017, did you have a race? Any races in between?
1: I did. And they um, were just little ones. I did. um, I did a dogs on the run virtual race that I still do today on National Dog Day for the ASPCA. And they were just fun ones that I kind of, um, you know, would see like a national holiday and be like, Oh, let's do a virtual race around that. Um, And so I did little ones here and there. I also became a certified race director during that time through oh, River really? Club of America. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fun fact: They don't just have a coaching certification; they have a race director certification. Yeah, everybody and has
0: a coaching certification. It seems. <laughs>
1: yes, <laughs> including myself. So. Yes, and I uh, found that out. Went through that course and. I just really love races in general, too, running races, and then I was always interested in organizing a race. So during um, 2014 was our first year, I had a family friend that passed away from cancer, and we joined up with her family to do a very local 5K, 10K in our area in Virginia. and that really kind of set my spark because that was for um cancer research and again just tying running with giving back. Um I just started to build my races from there. Okay. So that first race you did medals, which,
0: you know, as someone who has been in the sport in the scene in event planning as well for quite a while, like I'm thinking, oh what you know, that's expensive. <laughs> so were you after that first race were you like, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah so I think so that race was a little bit different that was uh normally now my races are five dollars for a 5k ten dollars for a 10k and then I do an add-on that's optional because I know that not everyone wants an extra medal or an extra t-shirt you never know so that's true yeah so the first one that I did it included the medal in it and Then um, when the virtual races started becoming bigger and bigger, I decided to make them, um, you know, $5 or $10 because I want them to be affordable. I don't want someone to see the virtual race and think that they can't help because they can't afford it. So I wanted it to be um, as less expensive as possible and they still feel like they're making an impact. So now most races the add-on is optional. Do and you then see people doing that. it?
0: Like if you have a thousand runners signing up for one race, like what percentage of those people actually do the medal?
1: It's like, it depends. It's like 50-50. Really? So yeah. it is. <laughs> and I think that's what makes, so obviously there are other virtual race companies out there that are all about the medal and the t-shirt that you get. I mean, that's what people pay for essentially for a virtual race. And so I think it depends on, one, the design of the medal that makes people want to add it. Or especially, um, like, for Every Mother Counts, for example, people love supporting that nonprofit. So they love the medal for the Run to Believe race.
0: Oh, wow. That's really cool. Okay, so in the six years that you've been doing uh, the virtual races, what is the most valuable lesson that you've learned? Ooh, I
1: think the community aspect. I think um, we as runners obviously run for ourselves and for our own reasons, whether it's just mental clarity or weight loss or staying in shape, whatever it is. And I think making the reason behind you run mean more. It, I think it resonates with people, especially through the community that ha- is built around my virtual raises. Yeah. What,
0: what are some of the coolest things that you've seen come out of these races? Like, did you, we'll go back to the run for Texas. Like, did you connect with anybody during that time who was
1: directly affected by the hurricane? Yes. And we, um, so we made a hashtag around the event. And if you just scroll through the hashtag, there were runners that were running the run for Texas, but their houses were flooded in Texas. And it was just there are a lot of running stores in Texas that also got their running groups together. And I mean, we had people registering in um, Germany and China and they were running for Texas. It was, it's, it's amazing how far these races can reach.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about the run for Australia. I first had a message from someone on Facebook that said, Hey Lindsay, can we post about this? It was Laura Rutherford. Hello, Laura. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, can we post about uh, what's going on in Australia in your Facebook group? I'm just trying to get word out as much as possible. And then I quickly realized that you had a race that you were raising funds for Australia. And then um, there was actually another mother who I should have on the show as well in Australia that organized a run there. Um, yes. do you know who I'm talking about? I think she's raised like a million dollars. Is it Samantha? Probably, yes. Yes. Which she's in Australia. So, um, yeah, you know, but anyway, so hopefully we gained a little bit of momentum there. But, um, my point is I was like, Oh, of course Kelly's raising money for Australia. <laughs> this is so wonderful because I I think if each and every person just thought, Oh, I can donate $10 or $50 to help what's going on. Like, that's wonderful. But when you see this collective group effort, it just entices you to be a part of it. And then, you know, that $27,000 can go a lot further than one dollars donation when it's all together. And right. I say that because not all those people probably would have ended up donating had they not wanted to be part of the collective action. Right. Not because they didn't want to donate, but just because you forget and you move on, you know.
1: Right. And I think going back to the actual act of just going on, you know, the Australian Red Cross's website and pressing the donate button, it's really, you know, it's just like ordering something online. It's a really fast checkout, and then boom, it's done. You get a tax receipt, and that's it. And I feel like obviously you feel good because you donated to a good cause, but I think that the Uh, especially a social media community around these races, you see other people running for the same cause. And at the same time, whether it's different paces, different mileage, I think that's what really resonates with people versus just kind of donating on their own time. Yeah. And that's how it goes viral too.
0: People posting and using the hashtag for sure.
1: Yeah. Talk to us about...
0: Running the virtual races, you also work full time and you're a mom. So how is this sustainable? How yes. many hours a week are you putting into the virtual racing? Because I know it. You you know all the text says you donate 100% of the proceeds.
1: Yes. Um. So that it's hard to estimate hours. It's definitely um, in the early mornings, late at night that I make these web pages, and you know after the kids go to bed and type up the website, um, it just depends on the races that month, and for Run for Australia, for example, it's just a lot of my off time answering questions, you know, I feel like virtual races for as long as they've been around, I feel like some people still haven't grasped the concept of paying to run when they run anyway, you know, and so that's why I wanted to make it more Fundraising focused because I know that people can run obviously anytime, anywhere for free. Right, right, for
0: sure. So you're fielding a lot of those questions.
1: Yes. And so I am a one woman show. I answer all those questions. I make the webpage and um, I just, I also connect with the nonprofits that we fundraise for because I never want it to just be like a random thousand dollar donation coming through I always want them aware and I also put on my website um you know their logo and what their mission is and I always want that to be approved you know I never want anything to um be something that they look at and be like wow we didn't approve this
0: so (laughs) yeah and I mean as someone who's worked for nonprofits, like to be I remember fundraising when I worked for back on my feet and like to be selected for something like that, that could potentially raise like $10,000 or in, you know, run for Australia case, $27,000. It's like, that's a big honor. I mean, I, I remember hustling my butt off trying to find ways to fundraise and make, make donations come in for back on my feet. So I imagine every nonprofit feels that way. So I mean, Run for Australia. Obviously, that was an easy selection process. Like, there's a catastrophic event happening in the world, let's raise money for it. But in general, how do you decide what nonprofits to align with?
1: Yeah, I have received this question so many times before, and I think one, I always choose nonprofits that I already have a connection with. Which, fun fact. I worked on back on my feet in the DC chapter too. You did? <laughs> I did. What did you do? <laughs> I helped um, their like running fundraising team that ran the Marine Corps Marathon and DC races around here. <laughs> okay, so you're you're way younger than
0: me, and you probably did this after she lived in DC. But my sister lived in DC for like ten years out of college, and well, probably more than that even. And she used to be like um, one of the team leaders at their at one of their teams. Oh, that's so awesome! <laughs> but it, I mean, you graduated high school in like 2010, didn't you? Yes. Um. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, of course you did. Of course you worked for. Yeah.
0: Have you ever done a virtual race for them?
1: I did. I just did a first one in uh, October. No, it was November for because it was um. Homelessness Awareness Week. Okay, in November, we did our first one, and so that ties to your question. Is I chose them because I had worked with them before. I already um, knew of their development team for like the national level, and so I reached directly out to them and kind of went through the process with them together. And that's what I like to do. Um, If I already have a connection with nonprofits or I've already heard great things and have done my research on, you know, you can go to Charity Navigator and look up any nonprofit in the world and see how they spend their money and if they're really making a difference. And I think that that's really important, um, obviously, because we donate 100 percent of the proceeds. We want it to make a difference.
0: Yeah. Have you ever had a nonprofit suggested that you've researched and then you're like, no, not going to do that.
1: Yes. And um, those are the type of questions I get from runners that are really interested in the process of these virtual races. And I think that they like it when I answer them and say, you know, they're not, you know, spending the money well, or like, you know, I kind of give them the facts that you're gives me and then they're like, oh, I had no idea and they kind of I mean it kind of opens their eyes because um unfortunately there are nonprofits out there that don't say exactly what they're doing with their money and they don't spend it wisely and they're not making as big as a difference as other nonprofits out there.
0: So how many races have you done?
1: So we have done over 25 races in the last two years, we've done pretty much one every month. Okay. Is that kind of your goal? One a month? It it wasn't in the beginning, but now I like it because now I can help more nonprofits <laughs> at a time. And um, all my virtual races are different. You know, like the Run for Australia going on right now is through the whole month of January. And sometimes my virtual races are one day. Sometimes they're one week to give people more of a chance to get in their run whenever they can. Sometimes they're month-long challenges. So it, I really like doing at least one a month because they're all different. What's been, other than Run for
0: Australia, what have been some of your most successful campaigns?
1: Yeah, um, so we... Also did um, when Hurricane Irma came after Hurricane Harvey, we did another race for that. So unfortunately, the when a natural natural disaster happens like those, Mm -hmm. I feel like those are just the biggest ones because they're, you know, surrounded by the news on it. You see more media and runners obviously just feel more inclined to help. Um, Our Every Mother Counts run that Kristen and I do in May That one, we raise about $4,000 each year for Every Mother Count, and that one has turned out to be a pretty good one. Um, My National Dog Day one raises a couple thousand as well. So it just depends also the nonprofits, how involved they want to be. Some nonprofits don't want to you know, share on social media because technically it's not their event, which is completely understandable. And some nonprofits want to share every fundraiser that, you know, is for them. So it just depends on how involved they are.
0: Yeah. So the Every Mother Counts one, is that just like goes without saying you're going to do that every May?
1: Yes. And uh, Chris and I actually just selected the date. It's going to be May 9th this year. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. I think that's fun. I think
0: that monthly is doable too. Like if someone wants to just like be like, I know that once a month, $5 or whatever, you know, cause I know you give the option to donate extra as long as it's mm-hmm. a nonprofit I believe in. And I align with, I'm going to do this for one of Kelly's races because here's the thing is like, I used to say this about Ironman training and I will (laughs) happily say it about running as well. And I can say this because I'm a runner and my husband's a runner and he's an Ironman. He's only done one, but he's done one. It's it's a selfish sport. I mean, it is. And I know that it's a bunch of listeners that are runners that are listening to this right now, but we go to extremes. I'm not saying that running in general is selfish. Like it is good for our bodies. It is good for our families and the people around us. To be in a relationship with someone who takes care of themselves because you're a nicer person when you take care of your body and running is, is an arm of that. However, most of us runners take our training very seriously (laughs) and we spend a lot of hours running a lot. And, you know, I'm rearranging when I'm showing up at kids' soccer games and things like that because I want to make sure I get my run in. I'm not hating on it. I do it too but I'm just saying it's a selfish endeavor for a lot of reasons. And this is just one way to make it less selfish.
1: Yes. And I'm so happy you said that because these virtual races, I not really a tagline, but I always say make your miles mean more because I know as a runner, we're already going to have selfish reasons why we run and that's okay. You know, Um, weight loss, you know, not saying that's a bad thing, but it's selfish, because you're doing it for your own body, you know, no one else has to help you do that. And I think that staying in shape is extremely selfish, just because like you said, you're training, it's on your schedule and your body and what you want to do. And I think those are all great reasons to run. And I think that you can just, um, you know, like you said, do a virtual race or run for a cause, and you just make your miles mean a little bit more.
0: Yeah, and it's when we say the term selfish, like it sounds really negative, but it doesn't necessarily have to be negative. I mean, the whole self-care movement that's like
1: the language oh, yeah. has changed from that. That's what that is, you know. Yeah. It's like taking care of yourself. Mom, yeah, and especially as a mom, uh my ultra training was completely all about me. Yeah. You know, that was I mean, you know, that was Saturday mornings, my long runs. That was my alone time. That is what I got. And um, yeah, so it really wasn't about anyone else except for me wanting to be out there without kids and (laughs) having that
0: time. Hey, everybody, a quick break to let you know if you are looking for bonus episodes from me, I have returning guests. I have episodes with my husband, Glenn, and most recently I did a QA and a with my intern, Emma Benner, over on my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Hine. When you support the show at as little as $3 or $5 a month, you can get access to at least two podcast bonuses every single month over there. It seems that Glenn is a crowd favorite over on Patreon. I get a lot of great feedback from his episodes uh, but I really enjoyed that conversation I had with my intern, Emma, who she, I, we kind of, I actually kind of interviewed her a little bit and then she took over and asked me questions that listeners had asked. And then most recently I interviewed Kara D'Amato over there. She was on the podcast just probably six weeks ago and just destroyed her half marathon PR ran a time of 70 minutes in one second. And that was her gun time, her chip time. She actually dipped under 70. So she just had a really great race. And I'm so excited to see what she does at the trials. But yeah, there is a 40 minute episode with her over on Patreon now. You can find all that bonus content when you go to patreon.com slash All right. And the other thing I want to let you know, I have some training plans available on my website at lindsayhine.com if you go to the shop. I have beginner, beginner, intermediate, intermediate, and advanced half marathon training plans that I've created. And then I also have beginner, intermediate, and advanced marathon training plans over there that I've created. So if you're looking for a training plan, you can purchase those on my website at lindsayhine.com. And they are beautifully designed, if I do say so myself. I hired my friend Meredith to do the design work on them, and she did a really fantastic job. There are links to pre and post run stretching, as well as strength training that I recommend you do while you marathon train, just at the most basic level. The half marathon plans are 14 weeks and the marathon plans are 18 weeks. So I've definitely had some people use those plans and run several PRs with them. There's a pace chart included as well. It's a pretty detailed um, little package. So check it out com. i'll put the links to the training plans in the show notes as well all right friends let's enjoy the rest of my conversation with kelly v hill well i'm really excited for what you're doing with um, with all of this and i i'm kind of just like i was just listening to um rain wilson on dax shepherds podcast and he was talking about um, all the, you know, he was talking about how when you become famous, you start getting hit up by all these nonprofits because you now have power. Right? right. And he, you know, he was sharing about some of the organizations he works with and does good work for. And I've always thought, man, wouldn't that be the coolest thing in the world to be rich and famous so that you could just like help a shit ton of people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I loved one thing that he said, and that was like, what The only thing I regret is waiting. And then he kind of backtracked and said, well, it's not that I wasn't doing good things before I was, you know, wealthy and famous. However, I think a lot of times we wait. Well, when I get here, I'll do this. Or when I have this much power, I'll do that. And it's just kind of silly because we can all do something now. And yeah, I know it sounds corny, but it's freaking true.
1: Yes, It is. And I feel like a lot of people think that about everything, you know, every goal that they have, they feel like they need to keep waiting for the right time for Mm -hmm. certain things to happen. And that's not the case. You know, just going back to being uncomfortable, you have to be uncomfortable to start these things that you want to accomplish.
0: It's so true, for sure. And um, it definitely is easier if you have like a big platform like rain Wilson, but, um, your impact can be different and, um, just as meaningful. So, I mean, it's that, it's that silly quote, like you can't change the whole world, but you can change one person or whatever it is. It's, it's so very true. So what is next for you goals wise, as far as your own running? I know you want to do a 50
1: miler, um, but what's like kind
0: of the immediate goal?
1: Immediate goal. Well, um, I am trying to get faster at shorter distances (laughs) because I have always been a long distance runner. I'm really good at like getting into a rhythm and sticking to it. (laughs) So I am trying to focus, um, in the springtime on half marathons and 10 milers and seeing what I can do there. Yeah. Does it, does the shorter distance, um, speed intimidate
0: you more or does the longer distance endurance intimidate you more?
1: No, the speed and shorter distance I think it's because there's less room for error yeah you know uh, when you run a marathon you have you know well for me more than four hours to fix whatever's going on you know whatever issues you're having whereas if you're only running a 5k 10k running as fast as you can you just hope it all works out there's not really time to fix (laughs) yeah what's your marathon PR 448. <laughs> okay, so talk to us a little bit about that.
0: What what has your um, journey looked like from first marathon to 448?
1: Yeah, well, funny that you say that. 448 was my first marathon, really? and it's still my PR. Yes, and um, I really think. I'm happy we're talking about this because I really think that my mentality has changed now after running the ultra and now I'm really excited to run a marathon and see what I can do time-wise because after my first marathon I was so strict with myself on training and you know being at certain paces and I think that I you know I still had fun with running but I think that that made my running worse because my marathon time just increasingly got um, longer and longer. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, um, you know, after my ultra and training for the ultra, my mentality was just to be out there and have fun. Because again, that was my alone time as a mom. And I had two kids within 15 months of each other. And it you know, that's stressful and any parent, it's obviously a stressful situation. And so no, but that's um, stressful. I mean,
0: my closest okay. are 21 months apart and that seemed really close. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. And so the running, um, I didn't want to stress out about running because that was the only time that I didn't need to stress out about anything. And that mentality, has really simplified running for me. And I have noticed I've just ran, you know, after my ultra, I ran a half marathon in November. And um, I surprised myself with how good I felt the whole time. And I think it's because I wasn't stressed with anything. You know, I knew that If I had to go to the bathroom, I could go to the bathroom where I used to, you know, freak out. I feel like every runner, so sorry if this is TMI, but I feel like every runner knows Mm -hmm. the stressful situation of having to go to the bathroom before a run. For sure. (laughs) Yes. And so I think that um, just like relaxing into a run and whatever happens, happens and you'll work through it has really changed my mindset and I feel like has helped me be a faster and better runner.
0: Yeah. So that is really encouraging because you've run seven marathons. So, um, there's certainly listeners that are in your shoes that their first marathon was their fastest and they're like, what the heck is going on? (laughs) So share with me kind of like what your goals are going forward. Do you want to break that 448?
1: I do. And I feel like it's so cliche because obviously every runner wants to run Boston But I do want to be Q because I think I can. I just haven't. um, This is weird to say, but I feel like I haven't had the maturity to do it yet. I haven't like taken training seriously enough to do it. And I am 28 now and I'm giving myself till age 30 to be Q. If I don't be Q, then because I obviously love nonprofits, I will be more than happy to fundraise to be in Boston. (laughs) You can handle that. Yes, um, but, yeah, so obviously, I just want the experience of going to Boston, but I honestly just think breaking four hours would be like so great because I'm not naturally a fast runner, and so I'm gonna have to really put in some work for that,
0: yeah. So do you have a race that you're looking to start chipping away at that at?
1: I do. So I have ran my favorite race has been Marine Corps Marathon. It is the best race, and, I have run it four times now, and I'm going to try and get into, they just made a 50K option. Last year was the first year, and I'm going to try and run the 50K this year, and then the next year, I'm going to start chipping away at the marathon time.
0: They should let you cross the marathon in your 50K so that, like, say you cross it at four hours, you at least have that time stamp in your head. Not that you can't track that yourself, but... I uh, know. You need it official, though. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's really exciting. That is, now, that's close to where you... Are you still in the D.C. area?
1: Yes. Well, I'm in Northern Virginia. Um, but, yeah, the Marine Corps Marathon is super local. It obviously starts in Arlington and to D.C., goes back around. And I just feel like that they call it the People's Marathon. And if you've never run it, highly suggest it because it is the best most supportive marathon, um, in this area. It's great. Tell me about your shirts
0: that you sell. Happy runner. I love that. Yeah. Is
1: this another army or business
0: or is this a charity thing?
1: Um, so I do give like 10 to 15% of the proceeds of their shirts to, um, mental health charities. So currently, um, I don't know if you've heard, but there's a still, I run, Nonprofit, she's on Instagram, but she started it because um just to get the active community to break those mental health stigmas mm-hmm. and i um the, I feel like my whole life is like centered around this ultra marathon training, but I was fighting some postpartum depression after my son, and so my eyes were really open to just mental health issues in general, and how we can help. And I am normally such a happy person, love to have fun. I laugh at everything all the time. And so I felt like those shirts just kind of embodied the positivity that I try and, you know, give to other people through social media and running and everything.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. So One other thing I wanted to ask you about the more miles for fun, more fun, though, is this like, is that just in your heart and life just always going to be just like something you do for good? Like, do you see it ever becoming a job?
1: What do you do for your job, your real job full time? Yeah, so, well, I work full time for a nonprofit Fisher House Foundation and they're like, I don't know if you've heard of them, but they are like Ronald McDonald but for military families. So they build houses next to VA medical centers. So families can stay in the homes for free while loved one is in the hospital. So I actually work with their athletic fundraising <laughs> and manage their athletic fundraising team. So everything about my life is about running and fundraising. Totally. <laughs> um, so I blood. work with them the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And I think my virtual races, I would love to put on, so many events that it becomes a full-time job. Um, yeah, so I just I would love that because I love planning events and giving back to every, you know not just my local community, but everywhere. I feel like the whole world we just need, you know, we need to run more miles and have more fun.
0: <laughs> How do you make that happen, though? Because at some point you would have to transition from donating all of your proceeds to giving yourself like a cut so that you could actually have a salary to like do this full time.
1: I know. So well, one of my like professional dreams is to be the owner of my own nonprofit, be the founder of my own nonprofit. Okay. And I have thought about turning more miles more fun into a nonprofit based around runners that want to give back. Oh, yeah! But because I donate 100% of the proceeds, tax reasons, it's actually worse for me to be my own nonprofit and then give to another nonprofit than it is to be a business and give to nonprofits. Okay. So I think I would love for it to be a nonprofit though, where we could distribute money wherever it's needed and go from there based off of what's going on in the world. Yeah. That's really cool.
0: Well, I think you'll do it. And honestly just like the experience that you you've been gaining since I don't know what you were doing in high school, but basically it sounds like <laughs> since you were really young, um, you've been immersed in the culture and um, sometimes it feels like a big dream like that can take a while, but the experience is necessary. And every like little thing that you do with these races is just one stepping stone to getting there.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: Oh man. Okay. So going to do the 50 K next year at Marine Corps, you're yes. going to start a non what what else are on your hopes and dreams list
1: really just kind of like you said gaining more experience I am only 28 years old and so I feel like I keep chipping away at these dreams like my 50k and doing these virtual races I would love to put on fundraising events outside of running I mean still keep them around the running community but outside of virtual races And so I'd love to keep just kind of event planning in that way. What does your husband do? (laughs) So my husband, he is, he was in the Marine Corps for six years. So he is out now. He is currently going through um, college using the GI Bill because he joined the military right after high school. And he works in operations for a like military startup. They're an app and they created, it's called Sandbox. They created an app so you can, attach pictures and write letters to those in boot camp and they will print it out for you in letter form and send it to those that are in boot camp and deployed. So he does like the operations and logistics for them, which is really cool. Yeah, that is cool. And
0: you guys walked through that together because you guys have been together for a long time. So when he went off to the Marine Corps, what was that like?
1: Yes. So we uh, met in high school, didn't start dating until the end of high school when he decided to join the military And it was, I mean, it was hard. Anyone that stayed at long distance, we would, um, he would be deployed for, you know, eight to nine months at a time, would also live in, like, he lived in California while I went to school in the Virginia Beach area. So across the country, or yeah, across the country. And we would go, you know, six years seeing each other once or twice a year. And so um, it, it was rough, but I feel like, we knew that it was going to come to an end. You know, he was only in for six years and I feel like that made it a lot better. And we didn't get married until he got out of the Marine Corps, um, which I think helped the situation too because it was kind of that like celebration of that end to our life phase. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So will he Um, always be connected though?
1: Yeah, I think so. And he, we're such like a, patriotic and military supportive family that I feel like, especially I work for a military nonprofit and we just love the community around it and think, you know, it's just such a great, um, community. Yeah. Well, thank your husband for his service. (laughs) Thank
0: you. We appreciate that. Um, (laughs) let's do into the podcast questions, Kelly. What is something, and we probably already covered this, but what is something professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet?
1: Yes. um, We've already covered this. Run a 50 miler, break four hours in the marathon, find or found, become a, how do you say that? Become a founder of a nonprofit. Yeah. Find a nonprofit. (laughs) Found a nonprofit. Found. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. Um, Yes. And just keep fundraising, keep growing fundraising events. Yeah. What is
0: an accomplishment you're most proud of?
1: I most recently, my 50 K at one year postpartum was a huge accomplishment. Um, Also running my 25th half marathon. I don't know. I run going into that half marathon. I didn't think it would be a big deal. But when I started talking about that with other runners, they're like, wow, 25 half marathons you know, that's like a good number at the age that I'm at. So I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, it's pretty cool too, because one year
0: postpartum, like that's no joke. And you oh, mentioned yeah. your pelvic uh,
1: floor issues. So how did you work through that? I wonder. Yes. Yeah. So thankfully my mom is a physical therapist and has been one for 30 plus years. Oh, wow. And wow. I, she, she, you know, you tell her, Oh, this hurts. And she's like, sit down, let me work on you. I mean, anything that you're having issues with in your body, she's always there to help. And so she gave me pelvic floor exercises, which normally I don't listen to her and don't end up doing the exercises. (laughs) (laughs) But this time around, I was having serious issues that I knew I needed to do them. So I did, you know, pelvic floor exercises for six months before I really like started running seriously again. And I mean, my, every, in that general area, everything was just shot after having two kids that close. It was like crazy.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, that's a really good testimony for women everywhere, because I think that are coming back from childbirth because it is very tempting to run more and sooner and farther and faster, further and faster than, um, then you should be a little bit too soon. So um, oh, yes. Super. I, I mean, that's just like the, there could be a whole another podcast series on that topic alone.
1: Oh, yeah. And number one tip is it's so cliche, but listen to your body, because if something feels weird or weak or, you know, it doesn't feel right, then that's your body telling you that something's wrong and you're not ready yet. That's yes.
0: Amen. That's so true. Mm-hmm. Don't
1: ignore it. Yes.
0: Don't ignore it. Who's someone fun, motivating, or inspiring that you'd like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with?
1: Yes. Um. Okay. Runner related. I think it would be Courtney DeWalter mm. because have you seen her in interviews? <laughs> I yes. She. I feel like she just has so much fun with running. And I feel like she's so relaxed when she talks about like the training and the, you know, like crazy times she had, like winning these ultra marathons. I feel like she'd be a lot of fun to talk with.
0: Yeah. I mean, she's seems very relaxed and at ease and you're like, how are you running so fast? Yeah. (laughs)
1: Like
0: you're doing really hard things. What is the best, most recent book you've read?
1: Yes. Okay. Um, Emily Lay, I don't know if you know, she made the simplified planners, but she wrote a book called When Less Becomes More. Okay. And she dedicated it to her daughter, but it's basically about just simplifying not only your house, but your distractions, like, you know, our phones and um, hobbies that we want to do and everything. It's a great book if you're looking to just kind of simplify everything. (laughs)
0: I've heard good things. I've heard her on a couple interviews and I ended up getting the Erin Condren planner again this year. I don't know if I yeah. love it or not, but I've heard that she has a really good planner too.
1: Yeah, she does. I've used it for a couple years now and again, it's just simple. And I feel like, it just takes the clutter out of everything. You're just like, okay, my schedule, this is what we need to do.
0: Totally. For sure. What is an, well, this is a funny question for
1: you. What is a nonprofit you like to support? (laughs) I, okay. I obviously love supporting all nonprofits, but really um, just having the personal connection with nonprofits. And so the biggest one I can think of right now is obviously Every Mother Counts. After fundraising for them, I became a Every Mother Counts ambassador, and we—they just have such a great connection to their fundraisers and to those that want to support them. And I think that that's really important for nonprofits. For sure,
0: for sure. And I had the great opportunity to interview Christy Turlington and
1: yes, it's,
0: like pretty obvious how hands-on she is in the organization. Yes. And, um, it's a small organization, you know, I mean, there's like eight or nine employees, I think. So um, it's really cool to see the work that they're doing.
1: Yeah. And I feel like it is a testament to you don't have to be a big nonprofit like the Red Cross to do meaningful work. I mean, they have amazing, amazing things going on Um, with their small team. I don't know how they do it.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Because Christy Turlington's their owner,
0: their founder. Yeah. (laughs) Um, What is your one message to
1: send to the world? I think this just kind of goes off of more miles more fun, but just to have fun and do good with what you have. Um, Just keep it simple. Keep it simple. I love it. All right, Kelly, well,
0: thank you so much for sharing your story, and thank you so much for all of your hard work and all the great things that you're doing in the world. thank you so much for having me. All right, well, we will talk soon, and um, did Run for Australia, did you close that yet? Nope, it is going through January, so the end of the month. Okay, so everybody has until January 20, or 31st, there's 31st. yes. January 31st, (laughs) you can still sign up and we'll put the link to sign up. You might as well do it. She's already raised $27,000 and that number is going to keep growing. Do you have a goal? Like, do you have an end goal for that?
1: I do. I mean, I would obviously love to double it and make it over 50,000, like Mm -hmm. our run for Texas. But we did already our first donation. I wanted to start making an impact as quickly as possible. So after last weekend, we already made the first donation. And I mean, the Australian Red Cross is they've already emailed reaching out how thankful they are for us. They reach out to me on social media after I post. They are so involved with their fundraising. It's it's really great to see.
0: That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, All right, Kelly. Well, thank you so much. And we will talk soon. Hey, thank you. Okay, bye bye. Bye. All right, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in today. Thanks, Kelly, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. And thank you for all the great work you're doing with More Miles, More Fun. I am a fan, and I will be participating in many more of your virtual races. Make sure you go follow Kelly to stay up to date on all the races she has going on. On Instagram, she is more miles, more fun. You can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter, at lindsayhine. And you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsey Hine, where we have a group as well. All right, friends, have a great Friday. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday.